Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 21 and 22. In the previous episode, we read chapters 19 and 20, and we found out that the trio finally reached Boreas's uh, palace, I must say, in Quebec, and Boreas was able to give some very helpful advice on where, on how to reach Aeolus, and in what, and... Of course, Keon, the Ice Princess, uh, was definitely not happy with that. But they were able to get the trio was able to get the information that they needed, and now they can continue with their quest. So now we'll read Chapter Twenty One, Piper. Piper didn't relax until the glow of Quebec City faded behind them. You were amazing, Jason told her. The compliment should have made her day, but all she could think about was the trouble ahead. Evil things are stirring, Zethys had warned them. She knew that firsthand. The closer they got to the solstice, the less time Piper had to make her decision. She told Jason in French, If you knew the truth about me, you wouldn't think I was so amazing. What'd you say? He asked. I said I only talked to Boreas. It wasn't so amazing. She she didn't turn to look, but she imagined him smiling. Hey. He said, you saved me from joining Keon's Sub-Zero Hero Collection. I owe you one. That was definitely the easy part, she thought. There was no way Piper would have let that ice witch keep Jason. What bothered Piper more was the way Boreas had changed form and why he'd let them go. It had something to do with Jason's past, those tattoos on his arm. Boreas assumed Jason was some sort of Roman and Romans didn't mix with Greeks. She kept waiting for Jason to offer an explanation, but he clearly didn't want to talk about it. Until now, Piper had been able to dismiss Jason's feelings that he didn't belong at Camp Half-Blood. Obviously, he was a demigod. Of course he belonged. But now, what if he was something else? What if he really was an enemy? She couldn't stand that idea anymore than she could stand Keon. Leo passed them some sandwiches from his pack. He'd been quiet ever since they told him what happened in the throne room. I still can't believe Keon, he said. She looks so nice. Trust me, man, Jason said. Snow may be pretty, but up close it's cold and nasty. We'll find you a better prom date. Piper smiled, but Leo didn't look pleased. He hadn't said much about his time in the palace or why the Boreads had singled him out for smelling like fire. Piper got the feeling he was hiding something. Whatever it was, his mood seemed to be affecting Festus, who grumbled and steamed as he tried to keep himself warm in the cold Canadian air. Happy the dragon was not so happy. They ate their sandwiches as they flew. Piper had no idea how Leo had stocked up on supplies, but he'd even remembered to bring veggie rations for her. The cheese and avocado sandwich was awesome. Nobody talked. Whatever they might find in Chicago, they all knew Boreas had only let them go because he figured they they were already on a suicide mission. The moon rose and stars turned overhead. Piper's eyes started to feel heavy. The encounter with Boreas and his children had scared her more than she wanted to admit. Now that she had a full stomach, her adrenaline was fading. Suck it up, cupcake, Coach Hedge would have yelled at her. Don't be a wimp. Piper had been thinking about the coach ever since Boreas mentioned he was still alive. She never liked Hedge, but he leaped off a cliff to save Leo, and he'd sacrificed himself to protect them them on the skywalk. She now realized that all the times at school the coach had pushed her, yelled at her to run faster or do more push-ups, or even when he turned his back and let her fight her own battles with the mean girls. The old goat man had been trying to help her in his own irritating way. 
trying to prepare her life as a demigod. On the skywalk, Dylan the Storm Spirit had said something about the coach too. How he'd been retired to wilderness school because he was getting too old. Like it was some sort of punishment. Piper wondered what that was about, and if it explained why the country coach was all, always so grumpy. Whatever the truth, now that Piper knew Hedge was alive, she had a strong compulsion to save him. Don't get ahead of yourself, she chided. You've got bigger problems. This trip won't have a happy ending. She was a traitor, just like Selena Beauregard. It was only a matter of time before her friends found out. She looked up at the stars and thought about a night long ago when she and her dad had camped out in front of Grandpa Tom's house. Grandpa Tom had died years before, but Dad kept his house in Oklahoma because it was where he grew up. They'd gone back for a few days, with the idea of getting the place fixed up to sell. Although Piper wasn't sure who'd want to buy a rundown cabin with shutters instead of windows and two tiny rooms that smelled like cigars. The first night had been so stifling hot, no air conditioning in the middle of August, that Dad suggested they sleep outside. They spread their sleeping bags and li listened to the cicadas buzzing in the trees. Piper pointed out the constellations she'd been reading about. Hercules, Apollo's lyre, Sagittarius the centaur. Her dad crossed his arms behind his head. In his old t-shirt and jeans, he looked like just like another guy from Tahlequah, Oklahoma. A Cherokee who might have never left tribal lands. Your grandpa would say those Greek, Greek patterns are a bunch of bull. You told me the stars were creatures with glowing fur like magic hedgehogs. Once, long ago, some hunters even captured a few in the forest. They didn't even know what they'd done until nighttime, when the star creatures began to glow. Golden sparks flew from their fur, so the Cherokee released them back into the sky. You believe in magic hedgehogs? Piper asked. Her dad laughed. I think Grandpa Tom was full of bull too. Just like the Greeks, but it's a big sky. I hope there's room for Hercules and hedgehogs. They sat for a while, until Piper got the nerve to ask a question that had been bugging her. Dad, why don't you play? Uh, why don't you ever play any Native American parts? The week before, he turned down several million dollars to play Tonto in a remake of The Lone Ranger. Piper was still trying to figure out why. He played all kinds of roles, a Latino, a Latino teacher in a rough LA school, a dashing Israeli spy in an action-adventure blockbuster, even a Syrian terrorist in a James, James Bond movie. And of course, he would always be known as the King of Sparta, but if the part was Native American, it didn't matter what kind of role it was. Dad turned it down. He winked at her. Too close to home, Pipes. Easy to pretend I'm something I'm not. Doesn't that get old? Aren't you ever tempted, like, if you found the perfect part that could change people's opinions? If there's a part like that, Pipes, he said. Sadly, I haven't found it. She looked at the stars, trying to imagine them as glowing hedgehogs. All she saw were the stick figures. She knew. Hercules running across the sky on his way to kill monsters. Dad was probably right. The Greeks and Cherokees were equally crazy. The stars were just balls of fire. Dad, he said, she said, if you don't like being close to home, why are we sleeping in Grandpa Tom's yard? His laughter echoed in the quiet Oklahoma night. I think you know me too well, Pipes. You're not really going to sell this place, are you? <sighs> nope, he sighed. 
I'm probably not. Piper blinked, shaking herself out of the memory. She realized she'd been falling asleep on the dragon's back. How could her dad pretend to be so many things he wasn't? She was trying to do that now, and it was tearing her apart. Maybe she could pretend for a little while, longer. She could dream of finding a way to save her father without betraying her friends. Even if right now a happy ending seemed about as likely as magic hedgehogs. She leaned against Jason's warm chest. He didn't complain. As soon as he closed her eyes, she drifted off to sleep. In her dream, she was back on the mountaintop. The ghostly purple bonfire cast shadows across the trees. Piper's eyes stung from smoke and the ground was so warm, the soles of her boots felt sticky. A voice from the dark rumbled. You forget your duty. Piper couldn't see him, but it was definitely her least favorite girl. The one who called himself Enceladus. She looked around for any sign of her father, but the pole where he'd been chained was no longer there. Where is he? She demanded. What have you done with him? The giant's laugh was like lava hissing down a volcano. His body is safe enough. Though I fear the poor man's mind can't take much more of my company. For some reason, he finds me disturbing. You must hurry, girl, or I fear there will be little left of him to save. Let him go, she screamed. Take me instead, he's just a mortal. But my dear, the giant rumbled, we must prove our love for our parents. That's what I'm doing. Show me you value your father's life by doing what I ask. Who's more important, your father? Or a deceitful goddess who used you, toyed with your emotions, manipulated memories, eh? What is Hera to you? Piper began to tremble. So much anger and fear boiled inside her. She could hardly talk. You're asking me to betray my friends. Sadly, my dear, your friends are destined to die. This quest is impossible. Even if you succeeded, you heard the prophecy. Unleashing Hera's rage would mean your, your destruction. The only question now, will you die with your friends or live with your father? The bonfire roared. Piper tried to step back, but her feet were heavy. She realized the ground was pulling her down, clinging to her boots like wet sand. When she looked up, a shower of purple sparks had spread across the sky, and the sun was rising in the east. A patchwork of cities glowed in the valley below and far to the west. Over a line of rolling hills, she saw a familiar landmark rising from a sea of fog. Why are you showing me this? Piper asked. You're revealing where you are. Yes, you know this place, the giant said. Lead your friends here instead of their true destination and I will deal with them. Or even better, arrange their deaths before you arrive. I don't care which. Just be at the summit by noon on the solstice and you may collect your father and go in peace. I can't, Piper said. You can't ask me to betray that foolish boy Valdez who always irritated you and is now hiding secrets from you? To give up a boyfriend you never really had, is that more important than your own father? I'll find a way to defeat you, Piper said. I'll save my father and my friends. The giant growled in the shadows. I was once proud too. I thought the gods could never defeat me. Then they hurled a mountain on top of me, crushed me into the ground where I struggled for eons, half conscious in pain. They taught me patience, girl. They taught me not to act rashly. Now I've clawed my way back into the help of the walking, waking earth. I am only the first. My brethren will follow. We will not be denied our vengeance. Not this time. And you, Piper McLean, need a lesson in humility. 
I'll show you how you how easily your rebellious spirit can be brought to earth. The dream dissolved and Piper woke up screaming, free falling through the air. And that's the end of chapter 21. That must that is a very intense end to the dream. We have Piper who is currently falling in the air after waking up from her dream. I'm assuming that she probably fell off Festus while she was dreaming and Leo and uh, uh, both Leo and uh, both Leo and uh, oh jeez I forgot their name Uh, both Leo and Jason uh, both Leo and Jason didn't recognize that she was falling but we'll see hopefully if she's saved by the by when we read chapter 22 uh, Piper once again and hopefully she is caught by Festus again. So until then, uh, so after this break, we'll read chapter 22, Piper. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 22, Piper. Piper tumbled through the sky. Far below, she saw city lights glimmering in the early dawn. And several hundred yards away, the body of the bronze dragon spinning out of control, its wings limp, fire flickering in its mouth like a badly wired light bulb. A body shot past her, Leo screaming and frantically grabbing at the clouds. Not cool! She tried to call to him, but he was already too far below. Somewhere above her, Jason yelled, Piper, level out! Extend your arms and legs! It was hard to control her fear, but she did what he said and regained some balance. She spread, she fell spread eagle like a skydiver, the wind underneath her like a solid block of ice. Then Jason was there, wrapping his arms around her waist. Thank God, Piper thought. But Piper also thought, great, second time this week he's hugged me and both times it's because I'm plummeting to my death. We have to get Leo, she shouted. Their fall slowed as Jason controlled the winds, but he still, they still lurched up and down like the winds that didn't want to cooperate. Gonna get rough, Jason warned. Hold on! Piper locked her arms around him, and Jason shot toward the ground. Piper probably screamed, but the sound was ripped from her mouth. Her vision blurred, and then thump! They slammed into another warm body, Leo still wriggling and cursing. Stop fighting, Jason said. It's me! My dragon, Leo yelled. You gotta save Festus! Jason was already struggling to keep the three of them aloft, and Piper knew there was no way he could help a 50-ton metal dragon. But before she could try to reason with Leo, she heard an explosion below them. A fireball rolled into the sky from behind a warehouse complex, and Leo sobbed, Festus! Jason's face reddened with strain as he tried to maintain an air cushion beneath them. But intermittent slowdowns were the best he could manage. Rather than free-falling, it felt like they were bouncing down a giant staircase a hundred feet at a time, which wasn't doing Piper's stomach any favors. As they wobbled and zigzagged, Piper could make out details of the factory complex below. Warehouses, smokestacks, barbed wire fences, and parking lots lined with snow-covered vehicles. They were still high enough so that hitting the ground would flatten them into roadkill, or skykill. When Jason groaned, "I I can't... And they dropped like stones. They hit the roof of the largest warehouse and crashed through into darkness. Unfortunately, Piper tried to land on her feet. Her feet didn't like that. Pain flared in her left ankle as she crumpled against a cold metal surface. 
For a few seconds, she wasn't conscious of anything but pain. Pain so bad that her ears rang and her vision went red. Then she heard Jason's voice somewhere below, echoing through the building. Piper! Where's Piper? Ow, bro! Leah groaned. That's my back! I'm not a sofa! Piper, where'd you go? Here. She managed. Her voice a whimper. She heard shuffling and grunting, then feet pounding on metal steps. Her vision began to clear. She was on a metal catwalk that ringed the warehouse interior. Leo and Jason had landed on ground level and were now coming up the stairs toward her. She looked at her foot and a wave of nausea swept over her. Her toes weren't supposed to point that way, were they? Oh God. She forced herself to look away before she threw up. Focus on something else. Anything else. The hole they'd made in the roof was a ragged starburst 20 feet above. How'd they even survive that drop? She had no idea. Hanging from the ceiling, a few electric bulbs flickered dimly. But they didn't do much to light the enormous space. Next to Piper, the corrugated metal wall was emblazoned with the company logo, but it was almost completely spray-painted over with graffiti. Down in the shadowy warehouse, she could make out huge machines, robotic arms, half-finished trucks on an assembly line. The place looked like it had been abandoned for years. Jason and Leo reached her side. Leo started to ask, you okay? Then he saw her foot. Oh, no, you're not. Thanks for the reassurance, Piper groaned. You'll be fine, Jason said, though Piper could hear the worry in his voice. Leo, you got any first aid supplies? Yeah, yeah, sure. He dug around in his tool belt and pulled down a wad of gauze and a roll of duct tape, both of which seemed too big for the belt's pockets. Piper had noticed the tool belt yesterday morning, but she hadn't thought to ask Leo about it. It didn't look like anything special, just one of those wrap-around leather aprons with a bunch of pockets, like a blacksmith or a carpenter might wear. And it seemed to be empty. How did you... Piper tried to sit up and winced. How did you pull that stuff from an empty belt? Magic, Leo said. Haven't figured it out completely, but I can summon just about any regular tool out of the pockets, plus some other helpful stuff. He reached into another pocket and pulled out a little tin box. Breath mints? Jason snatched away the mints. That's great, Leo. Now can you fix her foot? I'm a mechanic, man. Maybe if she was a car. He snapped his fingers. Wait, what was that godly healing stuff they fed you at camp? Rambo food? Ambrosia, dummy, Piper said through gritted teeth. There should be some in my bag if it's not crushed. Jason carefully pulled her backpack off her shoulders. He rummaged through the supplies the Aphrodite kids had packed for her and found a Ziploc full of smashed pastry squares like lemon bars. He broke off a piece and fed it to her. The taste was nothing like she expected. It reminded her of Dad's black bean soup from when she was a little girl. He used to feed it to her whenever she got sick. The memory relaxed her, though it made her sad. The pain in her ankle subsided. More, she said. Jason frowned. Piper, we shouldn't risk it. They said too much could burn you up. I I think I should try to set your foot. Piper's stomach fluttered. Have you ever done that before? Yeah, I I think so. Leo found an old piece of wood and broke it in half for a splint. Then he got the gauze and duct tape ready. Hold her leg still, Jason told him. Piper, this is going to hurt. When Jason set the foot, Piper flinched so hard she punched Leo in the arm, and he yelled almost as much as she did. When her vision cleared and she could breathe normally again, she found her foot was pointing the right way, her ankle splinted with plywood, gauze, and duct tape. Ow, she said. Jeez, beauty queen, 
Leo rubbed his arm. Glad my face wasn't there. Sorry, she said. And don't call me beauty queen. I'll punch you again. You both did great. Jason found a canteen in Piper's pack and gave her some water. After a few minutes, her stomach began to calm down. Once she wasn't screaming in pain, she could hear the wind howling outside. Snowflakes fluttered through the hole in the roof and after their meeting with Keon. Snow was the last thing Piper wanted to see. What happened to the dragon? She asked. Where are we? Leo's expression turned sullen. I don't know what Festus. She just jerked sideways like he hit an invisible wall and started to fall. Piper remembered Enceladus Lattice's warning. I'll show you I'll show you how easily your rebellious spirit can be brought to Earth. Had he managed to strike them down from so far away? It seemed impossible. If he were that powerful, why would he need her to betray her friends when he could just kill them himself? And how could the giant be keeping an eye on her in a snowstorm thousands of miles away? Leo pointed to the logo on the wall. As far as we are, it was hard to see through the graffiti, but Piper could make out a large red eye with stenciled words. Monocle Motors, Assembly Plant 1. Closed car plant, Leo said. I'm guessing we crash landed in Detroit. Piper had heard about the closed car plants in Detroit, so that made sense. But it seemed like a pretty depressing place to land. How far is that from Chicago? Jason handed her the canteen. Maybe three-fourths of the way from Quebec? The thing is, without the dragon, we're stuck traveling overland. No way, Leo said. It isn't safe. Piper thought about the way the ground had pulled at her feet in the dream, and what King Boreas had said about the earth yielding up more horrors. He's right. Besides, I don't know if I can walk. And three people, Jason, you can't fly that many across country by yourself. No way, Jason said. Leo, are you sure the dragon didn't malfunction? I mean, Festus is old and and I may and I might not have repaired him, right? I didn't say that, Jason protested. It's just maybe you could fix it. I don't know. Leo sounded crestfallen. He pulled a few screws out of his pockets and started fiddling with them. I'd have to find where he landed, if he's even in one piece. It was my fault, Piper said without thinking. She just couldn't stand it anymore. The secret about her father was heating up inside her like too much ambrosia. If she kept lying to her friends, she felt like she'd burned to ashes. Piper, Jason said gently, you were asleep when Festus conked out. It couldn't be your fault. Yeah, you're just shaken up, Leo agreed. He didn't even try to make a joke at her expense. You're in pain. Just rest. She wanted to tell them everything, but the words stuck in her throat. They're both being so kind to her, yet if Enceladus was watching her somehow, saying the wrong thing could get her father killed. Leo stood. Look, um, Jason, why don't you stay with her, bro? I'll scout around for Festus. I think he fell outside the warehouse somewhere. If I can find him, maybe I can figure out what happened and fix him. It's too dangerous, Jason said. You shouldn't go by yourself. Ah, I got duct tape and breath mints. I'll be fine, Leo said a little too quickly. And Piper realized he was a lot more shaken up than he was letting on. Guys, just don't worry, run off without me. Leo reached into his magic tool belt, pulled out a flashlight, and headed down the stairs, leaving Piper and Jason alone. Jason gave her a smile, though he looked kind of nervous. It was the exact expression he'd had on his face after he kissed her the first time, up on the wilderness school dorm roof. The cute little scar on his lip curving into a crescent. The memory gave her a warm feeling. Then she remembered that the kiss never really happened. You look better, Jason offered. 
Piper wasn't sure if he meant her foot or the fact that she wasn't magically beautified anymore. Her jeans were tattered from the fall through the roof. Her boots were splattered with melted, dirty snow. She didn't know what her face looked like, but probably horrible. Why did it matter? She never cared about things like that before. She wondered if it was her stupid mother, the goddess of love, messing with her thoughts. If Piper started getting urges to read fashion magazines, she was going to have to find Aphrodite and smack her. She decided to focus on her ankle instead. As long as she didn't move it, the pain wasn't bad. You did a good job, she told Jason. Where'd you learn first aid? He shrugged. Same answer as always. I don't know. But you're starting to have some memories, aren't you? Like that prophecy in Latin back at camp or that dream about the wolf? It's fuzzy. Like deja vu. Ever forgotten a word or a name and you know it should be on the tip of your tongue but it isn't? It's like that. Only with my whole life. Piper sort of knew what he meant. The last three months, a life she thought she'd had, a relationship with Jason, had turned out to be missed. A boyfriend you never really had. Enceladus had said, is that more important than your own father? She should have kept her mouth shut, but she voiced the question that had been on her mind since yesterday. That photo in your pocket, she said, is that someone from your past? Jason pulled back. I'm sorry, she said, none of my business, forget it. No, it's okay, his features relaxed. Just, I'm trying to figure things out. Her name is Talia. She's my sister. I don't remember any details. I'm not even sure how I know, but... Um, why are you smiling? Nothing. Piper tried to kill the smile. Not an old girlfriend. She felt ridiculously happy. Um, it's just... That's great that you remembered. Annabeth told me she became a hunter of Artemis, right? Jason nodded. I get the feeling I'm supposed to find her. Harold left me that memory for a reason. It's got to do something with this quest, but I also have the feeling it would be dangerous. I'm not sure I want to find out the truth. Is that crazy? No, Piper said. Not at all. She stared at the logo on the wall. Monocle Motors, the single red eye. Something about that logo bothered her. Maybe it was the idea Enceladus was watching her. Holding her father for leverage. She had to save him, but how could she betray her friends? Jason, she said. Speaking of the truth, I need to tell you something. Something about my dad. She didn't get the chance. Somewhere below, metal clanged against metal, like a door slamming shut. The sound echoed through the warehouse. Jason stood. He took out his coin and flipped it, snatching his golden sword out of the air. He peered over the railing. Leo? He called. No answer. He crouched next to Piper. I don't like this. He could be in trouble, Piper said. Go check. I can't leave you alone. I'll be fine. She felt terrified, but she wasn't about to admit it. She drew her da da dagger, Catoptris, and tried to look confident. Anyone gets close, I'll skewer them. Jason hesitated. I'll leave you the pack. If I'm not back in five minutes, panic, she just, she just, she just suggested. He managed to smile. Clawed your back to normal. The makeup and the dress were a lot more intimidating than the dagger. Get going, Sparky, before I skewer, skewer you. Sparky? Even offended, Jason looked hot. It wasn't fair. Then he made his way to the stairs and disappeared into the dark. Piper counted her breaths, trying to gauge how much time had passed. She lost track at around 43. Then something in the warehouse went bang. The echo died. Piper's heart pounded, but she didn't call out. 
Her instincts told her it might not be a good idea. She stared at her splinted ankle. It's not like I can run. Then she looked up again at the monocle motor sign. A little voice in her head pestered her, warning of danger. Something from Greek mythology. Her hand went to her backpack. She took out the ambrosia squares. Too much would burn her up, but would a little more fix her ankle? Boom. The sound was closer this time, directly below her. She dug out a whole square of ambrosia and stuffed it in her mouth. Her heart raced faster. Her skin felt feverish. Hesitantly, she flexed her ankle against the splint. No pain, no stiffness at all. She cut through the duct tape with her dagger and heard heavy steps on the stairs, like metal boots. Had it been five minutes? Longer? The steps didn't sound like Jason, but maybe he was carrying Leo. Finally, he couldn't, she couldn't stand it. Gripping her dagger, she called out, Jason? Yeah, he said from the darkness. On my way up. Definitely Jason's voice. So why did all her instincts say run? With effort, she got to her feet. The steps came closer. Jason's voice. It's okay, Jason's voice promised. At the top of the stairs, a face appeared out of darkness. A hideous black grin. A smashed nose and a single bloodshot eye in the middle of his forehead. It's fine, the cyclops said in a perfect imitation of Jason's voice. You're just in time for dinner. And that's the end of chapter 22. Could it possibly be en- Enceladus, the Cyclops? I'm, more, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like my, I'm thinking it might be Enceladus for uh, for that chapter because since he was the only one that communicated with Piper, but that was really intense, and now Piper needs to know whether she needs to run or not because obviously, you know, if she doesn't know the Cyclops, or maybe she does because it could be Enceladus. But I ho- hopefully she's not in danger and Jason and Leo come back in time to save her from this entire Cyclops and dinner thing. But next week, we will read chapter 23 and 24 and we will find out if, what happens to Piper possibly. Uh, if not, then we will uh, po- probably uh, continue reading until we find out what happened to her. Um, next week, we will start reading from Leo's point of view again. And until then... Stay safe and stay out of boredom.